0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez.
1: The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. That's who You are, Father. You are the King of glory. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords and we lift up Your name in praise. Lord, the whole earth and everything in it belongs to You. Forgive us for making so many other things a priority in front of You, including Your own creation. Lord, You are the King of glory. No one else is worthy of honor and power and praise and we give it to You in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're glad that you are with us. If you are a guest, welcome. If you have a few minutes after the service, I'd love to visit with you for a few minutes and just introduce myself on the east side of the foyer. Something we started in the last couple of weeks, but we'd just love the opportunity to say hi and get to know your name personally. Well this morning we are going to continue a series that we started a couple of weeks ago. It's called Old Church Revival New Melody. And one thing that I made real clear in the first message is that we're not having a revival. That was something that uh, I mentioned that bothered me as a young kid. That, that's not something that you can schedule or something that you can do. Uh, God has to revive his people. It's something that only God can do. And so what this series really is talking about is what is a revival? And why would we need a revival? And the first thing about a revival is that it's for God's people. In the Old Testament, it was intended for the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. But since Jesus came and lived and died and was resurrected and made a way for all to come in if they would believe on the name of Jesus Christ and be saved, now a revival is for the body of Christ. If if His body has, has fallen asleep, if His body has grown weak, if His body needs healing, then we need to be revived. Revival isn't about judging other people. It seems like it's so easy to look around at the world or to look around at other people and think, well, they need to be fixed. You know, if if all those people would be fixed, everything would be okay. But the truth is revival starts with the individual, not only with the body of Christ, but we need to say it starts with me. And the Bible has uh, clear examples of that over and over where when God was going to move in His people, He started with His people and with individual people who realized that they were the ones that needed to, to repent, to come back to God, to return to Him and let Him do His work once again. Revival is about repenting for our own sins and forgiving those around us who have hurt us. If we hold on to unforgiveness, if, back to that, that things that we hold on to, That we keep God from moving because we won't let those things go. Jesus said we're to pray, let me be forgiven as I forgive others. The definition of revival is a restoration to use, acceptance, activity, or vigor after a period of obscurity or inactivity. We can't be restored if we were never alive. And that's the thing about the lost. If someone is lost, the Bible says they're literally dead in their transgressions. They're dead in their sin. They can't be alive to Christ because they have not been resurrected. We had a baptism in the 9 a.m. service this morning. And a baptism is the outward sign of what God has done in our life. If you have accepted Jesus Christ and you were baptized, when you went under that water and came up, that was a symbol of you being resurrected from death to life. But when that life starts to flicker, and that light in us starts to flicker, and we start to lose our first love for Jesus Christ, that's when that light of ours that God put in us in Jesus Christ starts to grow dim. And that first week we read in Revelation where it says that the church, that their love grew cold, that God removed the lampstand, and that the church had to repent for the lampstand to be put back in place. So it's us that need to be revived, not the world. They're living the life they're called to live. We have to be revived so that we can go into the darkness and shine. That's what a true revival is, but it's not something that we can do. God has to do it. Our part is to repent and return to Him and ask for forgiveness. Revival has to start with me. G.K. Chesterton, a writer and philosopher and a lay theologian in the early 20th century is credited with this account. There was a newspaper that published an article and had a question. It said, what's wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton reputedly wrote this brief letter in response. Dear sirs, I am sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. That's taking responsibility, isn't it? That's realizing the root of the issue. Jesus said all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us need to be restored and redeemed by Jesus Christ. If we see something wrong around us, let's look at ourselves first. Ask God what he needs to do in our heart, in our life first. We need to take individual responsibility for the state of our own life for the state of our own family, for the state of our church, for the state of our city, for the state of our nation and beyond. I mentioned in the first message of this series how Daniel, one of the most righteous men in the Bible, I, I honestly can't think of any uh, part of the account of Daniel that attributes any sin or any wrongdoing to him. Yet this man who was just righteous before God when when he realized what was going on around him and the sin that had caused Israel to be into captivity, his first thing was to repent for his own sins, and then for the sins of his nation. And we mentioned this last last uh, two weeks ago, like I said. But this morning we're going to read uh, to read that passage. So this this happened in a day where the children of Israel were captives in a foreign land. They had no personal freedom, no personal liberty. But rather than cry out against the world that captivated them, Daniel cried out to God in repentance. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel says he was studying and found Jeremiah's prophecy that Israel would be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And it's estimated that when Daniel was writing this this note, this letter, uh that we find in chapter 9 that they were 66 or 67 years into the captivity. So they were only three or four years away from God's prophesied freedom, from deliverance of their captivity. And it occurred to me as I was reading this, if, if I was reading that, I think I would have like started jumping up and down with joy and ran through the streets proclaiming to my brothers and sisters, to, the, to my fellow Israelites, we're almost free we're only three or four years away and we're gonna be free, but that's not what Daniel did. He could have responded in joy, but Daniel's response was repentance. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God. This is after he just read, We're almost free. I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. You can read the rest of this chapter on your own sometime this week. But for the next 14 verses, Daniel proceeds to repent and cry out to God for forgiveness for himself and for his fellow Israelites. We jump down to verse 19 where he wraps up this prayer. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel didn't take it for granted the fact that God said he would deliver them in 70 years. Rather, he realized why they were in captivity in the first place and took the opportunity to repent for his sins and the sins of his own people. It would have been so easy for Daniel to have been self-righteous To have pointed his finger at those around him that weren't following God. Or once again, even to rail against their captors. But he did none of those things. He humbled himself and he repented. Over and over and over, Scripture reminds us that revival starts with God's children, not with the world Zechariah 1.3 says, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to Me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to Me, and I will return to you. Once again, God is talking to His people, His kids, not to the world. In the Old Testament, that was the children of Israel. And in the New Testament, that is every brother and sister in Christ. Another well-known example of this is found after Solomon finished building God's temple. God appeared to him in the night, and Second Chronicles seven twelve says that God speaking to. San- to- Solomon, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land." God's not talking to the world. He wasn't talking to the unrighteous, unsaved. He was talking to the people of God, to His chosen people. And His word to them were, if my people who are called by my name, when my people humble themselves, when my people pray, when my people seek my face, when my people turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The world will benefit from our repentance. The world will benefit from the lampstand being put in our heart. But it's only because we've returned to God, because we repented, because we've forgiven those that we've been holding unforgiveness toward, because we've done what we're supposed to do, then God comes and turns the light back on. That we can go into that dark world and shine and be a witness that they might come to know Him. We have to be the ones that stand in the gap. When God's people are living like God's people, when we get our light back, God will use it to light up the darkness. Joel 2:12 and 13 points out the proper heart of repentance. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. We're called to rend our heart, not our clothes. Daniel's heart broke for his own sin and the sin of his people. His heart hurt for the sins that he and other people had committed. And Daniel came to God with a right heart, just like this passage in Joel encourages the people of God to do. If you continue reading that passage in Joel, God specifically calls out. He calls for all of his people to come out, the whole congregation, the whole assembly, the elders, the children. He even specifically says for mothers to bring their nursing infants with them. And it also says for the newlyweds, for the groom and the, the, the bride who are on their honeymoon to come back from their honeymoon to come and repent. And what that tells me is God's saying this has to be the priority this has to be the most important thing. I have to be the most important thing. We opened this morning uh, before before I prayed or when I prayed from Psalm 24 that everything in the earth is God's. Everything in it including us. Everything that we prioritize before God is something that's his. If we think if we have to take care of our own children We're telling God, I can't trust you. If I were to put you first, my kids might be neglected. So I'm going to put them first because I can't trust you to take care of them. And he's saying, I love them more than you do. They're mine. If we put our finances first, we're saying, God, I can't trust you to provide for me. So I have to do it myself. I'm going to put that first because I can't trust you. We put all these priorities in place of God and God's saying, it's all mine, including you. Whether we believe it or not, whether we choose to or not, that's the truth. I found uh, some great theology yesterday in country music. We were, we were coming home yesterday from Colleen, and Candy was going through some things on her phone, and I just heard the audio of it, but it was an amazing account that really broke my heart. It's about Vince Gill. Uh, he's been, a, I think he's country music, Hall of Fame, Grand Ole Opry forever, uh, just, you know, accolades go on and on. We actually saw him when we went, we went once and, and went to the Grand Ole Opry, and he sang, and I don't remember what he sang, but I, I remember crying Listening to it, and I think it was a religious-related song, but it was like just his heart, just his spirit. And after hearing this story, it even it made me realize that's probably why. I think I I do believe he's probably a man of God. But so this 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 is what happened. He was uh, this is before he was famous, when he was still struggling and and just an up-and-coming singer. Uh, He got the call that every country music star waits their whole life for. It was a call from the Grand Ole Opry. And it was from uh, Hal Durham, the legendary announcer and general manager of the Grand Ole Opry. And he was inviting Vince Gill to come and play. And he said, can you come Saturday? And Vince asked, are, are you talking about this Saturday? And he said, yeah, this Saturday. And this was Vince's response. As much as I would like to, I'm already booked at the Grassland Elementary School to play you are my sunshine with my daughter. So I am going to respectfully decline. According to Gil, Hal responded, the Opry's been here 60 years. Your daughter's only in the first grade one time. Talk about priorities. And the reason it broke my heart is I could think of many times that I've gotten my priorities so screwed up. And I cannot honestly say that if that were to have happened in my life, that that would have been my response. I would have thought, my kid will understand. They know how important this opportunity is. He didn't even think. He knew where his priorities were. And that's what God expects from his people, from his sons and his daughters, to know what's the most important, to know what the priority is, and to not hesitate when those things that clamor for our attention and our priority come up, that we would say, no, I'm going to have to respectfully decline because God comes first. And we think that we're going to lose out or miss out or miss joys. But God, it says, if we will put the kingdom of heaven first, if we will put God first, He will give everything else to us. The fullness of joy, wholeness, will be complete if we'll put Him first. Everything else will be added. But we doubt. And we think, no, I have to take care of myself because I don't know if I can trust you. You can trust Him. And my prayer is that in this series, the Holy Spirit is going to prick our hearts. That we're going to see where we're off in our priorities and that we will repent and that we will... Ask God for His forgiveness that we will get our priorities right and will allow Him to transform us to do what only He can do because He's the only one that can. The only thing that we can do is come to Him and say, I've got nothing to give, but I need you. Two weeks ago, we read part of Psalm 51 We're going to look at a different part. This is where David was repenting after his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah the Hittite. And Nathan has called him out. And in verse 17, David wrote this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. There's no defending David's actions. And what we find here is David didn't defend them either. His heart broke before God. The Bible and all of human history is filled with accounts of men and women who refused to humble themselves even after their sins had been exposed. God is seeking hearts that are seeking Him. Hearts that put Him first. Hearts that are willing to repent for their own sin and the sin of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember that the definition of revival is restoration to use. And every revival starts with the body of Christ. Before we close, I want to share some history and testimony from previous revivals. The Bible says that testimonies will stir our faith up, will encourage us. And this first one comes from a book called Lectures on Revival. It was written by a group of Scottish ministers and published in 1840. These ministers were documenting what had occurred leading up to and during the Second Great Awakening, which had lasted from 1800 to 1840. One contributor wrote of the things that led up to this revival. He wrote, The attention of the church was earnestly called to the subject of revival in sermons. But once again, they knew that the revival was for them, not for the world. That they were the ones in need of revival. The second thing he wrote is the stories and testimonies of what glorious things the Lord had wrought amongst us, which our fathers had told us of, were recovered from neglect and sent through the length and breadth of the land. They reminded themselves of what God had done before. If you are a son or daughter of God, think about what God has done in your life. Think about how He changed you and transformed you. Don't forget, remind yourself. David said, I would encourage my own soul encourage yourself by remembering what God has done. And that's what they did. They remembered what God had done and it encouraged their faith that as bleak as things looked around them right now, that God was powerful enough and strong enough to do it again. The people were stirred up to private, family, and public prayer for revival. And perhaps there was no Christian church in the land which there was not a constant prayer made that the Lord would visit and refresh His heritage which was weary. At the beginning signs of this great revival, so back to the 1800 before it started, he wrote this, The time prayed for has begun to appear. The day longed for has broken. The windows of heaven have rained, at least on fleeces long spread in dryness, and many are surprised. And that was the beginning of what would be 40 years of revival. Not just in the church. Once the church was revived, it literally revived the world. And after the second great awakening, you could say that things calmed down again. We talked about that two weeks ago, that Jesus in Revelation is talking to the church that grew cold, that lost their first love. And I mentioned how our witness can get cold, get calm. We we get used to it. You know, it's like when, when we first met our spouse and we were all excited and, and dated and we put them first above everything. But then after years and years of being together, we're just like, oh, you know, they're just there. We take them for granted. And if we don't keep that relationship alive, if we don't actively pursue making it stronger, the same way that we have to in our relationship with God, it will grow cold. And so after that 40-year revival in the next 60 years, from 1840 to 1900, the church once again had their light diminished. And they were once again in need of revival. Revival. And as our nation headed into the 20th century, over 120 years ago, there was a lot of expectation in the church regarding what God was about to do. They were believing that God was going to do another revival, another restoration, in the beginning of the 1900s. And one of those expectant people was a young itinerant evangelist by the name of Charles Parham. His focus was on evangelism, but in his opinion, the church of his day lacked the power necessary to fulfill the mandate of the Great Commission. Parham yearned for an outpouring from God that would make the church a dynamic force. He traveled around the north and northeast to well-known ministries with a desire to know more fully what others were experiencing in the kingdom. And after his tour, he wrote this, I returned home fully convinced that while many had obtained real experience in sanctification and the anointing that abideth, there still remained a great outpouring of power for Christians who were to to close this age. And he was referring to closing out the 1800s and stepping into the 1900s. Parham opened Bethel Bible College in Topeka, Kansas in October of 1900 with about 40 students. Many of these students were already in ministry, but they had a hunger for more of God. Their purpose was to obey and live the commandments of Jesus. Prayer was the central focus of the school and they used a tower on top of the school for 24 hour a day prayer. At the dedication of the school, one of the students uh, by the name of Captain Tuttle saw a vision. Hovering over the school was a great body of water about to overflow. He understood this to mean that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit about to occur at this school would be so abundant as to quench every spiritually thirsty soul on earth. Three days prior to New Year's Eve, Parham was scheduled to preach in Kansas. Before he left, he exhorted the students to study the subject of baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially the book of Acts. One of the students, Agnes Osmond, asked Parham to pray for her to receive the Holy Spirit. This was after he returned. He was hesitant at first, but finally consented. And here's what he wrote describing what occurred. Humbly, in the name of Jesus, I laid my hand upon her head and prayed. I had scarcely repeated three dozen sentences when a glory fell upon her. A halo seemed to surround her head and face, and she began speaking in the Chinese language and was unable to speak in English for three days. This event fanned the flames of spiritual desire in Parham and the others at Bethel. They suspended the normal activities of school and set aside an upper room where they waited on the Lord in prayer for their personal Pentecost. On January 3rd, while the students continued to pray, Parham went to preach at the Free Methodist Church in Topeka. He shared what was happening at Bethel and predicted that when he returned that evening, the entire school would have received the Holy Spirit. And that's just what happened. And when he knelt down to pray with them and asked God to give him the Holy Spirit as well, this was God's answer. If you will be willing to withstand the persecutions, the hardships, the trials, the slander, and the scandal that it will entail, the full blessing will be given to you. And his response was, Lord, I will. Just give me this blessing. And this started a renewal of the gift of speaking in tongues that had been questioned by many, whether it even still existed or not. Many believed that it had ended with the Apostles. Parham would also play a role in discipling William Seymour just six years later. And William Seymour was an African-American pastor who would be at the epicenter of the Azusa Street Revival, which had worldwide implications. And we're going to take a closer look at Pastor Seymour and the Azusa Street Revival next Sunday. That, That started the actions... And that did spread, if you read about that, it spread during those six years and, and the Holy Spirit was moving during that time. But then it was his relationship with the Pastor Seymour and then through his ministry at Azusa Street in California that then ignited another worldwide revival. But it was what God was doing, what He was putting on people's heart to 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 return to Him, to repent, to come back to Him, to seek His face, to make Him the number one priority we're going to be we have been planning a special fifth sunday worship uh, every fifth sunday if you're new to NCC every fifth sunday is a worship sunday there's going to be a fifth sunday in october and for that worship sunday uh we're going to include a time of testimonies from people that have been part of new covenant since the beginning and they're going to share testimonies of what god has done here not not to get an expectation that God is going to do what He did in the past again, but to stir our faith for what God is doing today. What He's doing right now, and what He's doing in and through His people for the world. We're believing that He is going to, to revive His body, the body of Christ. And as I said two weeks ago, I really pray, my prayer is that this will be the last time we need reviving. That we can stay passionate this time. That we can stay on fire. That we won't need revival again. But it starts with us. We need to repent. We need to pray. We need to spend time in silence and solitude in the presence of God. And we need to take responsibility for ourselves as Daniel did. It starts with us. And it starts with me. Will you bow your head and pray? I'm simply going to pray the prayer that Daniel prayed. Oh, Lord. The great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. I have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God. Because your city and your people are called by your name. Father, we acknowledge that we are in need of revival. Not the world. They're dead in their trespasses as your word defines it. It's us the body of Christ. We need to be revived by You. And we know that You're the only one that can do it. Father, we repent for our sins. We repent for getting our priorities all messed up. Lord, restore our first love with You. We ask this in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. At New Covenant, we invite all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationships. And I think if you've been listening, you know that God is still alive and he's still speaking today. We would like to hear what God's saying to you. And the best place to do that is to get involved in a small group. Share with your brothers and sisters what God is telling you. Listen to what God's telling them. That's what you need to do. So if you go to NewCovenantLampastas.com or download our Church Center app, you can see all our small groups. I won't have to sit here and tell you about all of them. And y'all can go to lunch earlier. Pastor Darrell, there he is. Pastor Darrell has a a very special message he'd like to share with y'all. Thank you for being here. Please go online and get involved in a small group today.
0: It's scary when Pastor Darrell's going to share something with you, isn't it? Yeah. Uh... Remember, Pastor Chris is going to be out in the four year if you'd like to visit with him, especially those of you that are visiting with us today or are new to New Covenant. Uh, just one quick announcement that I need to make. Um, years ago, the elders instituted a policy that when full-time ministers at New Covenant uh, reach seven years of service, that we would provide for them a sabbatical to rest and refresh. In August, the last week of August, Pastor Chris' seventh year, was completed here at uh, New Covenant, and so the uh, elders have been encouraging him for the last year to uh, mark a time to take a sabbatical, and so he's never done this before, but I'm excited because I know how much it's going to mean to him as a minister, because Of your love for, for, and the elders' love for ministers. Uh, Starting September 26th, that's next Monday, not this, Pastor Chris will be here to preach next Sunday, and then Pastor Chris will be out of ministry to New Covenant for six weeks. All right? That means he's going to use this time to be away from the duties and ministries until November the 7th. It's a time for him to rest and refresh, to hear from God. And my prayer is to experience the revival that he's talking to us about. Now, your part in this is we're asking you to give Chris this time outside of ministry. That means don't call him. Don't text him. So let me tell you, text God and call God on Chris's behalf. And so... Uh, Please, uh, he'll be here next Sunday, uh, but uh, starting Monday after next Sunday, he's going to be gone for six weeks. I'm encouraging, how many of you want to experience a personal revival? I want to experience while he's gone for six weeks that we experience what he's going to be experiencing for six weeks with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we want to be here praying for Him and doing that. And I want to commend the elders that want to treat our ministers with this kind of love. And thank you for this, because this is very important in the life of the ministry of New Covenant Church. So let me pray for you. And like I said, you can go to lunch early. Not lunch. You won't be early. You'll go to lunch on time. Father, we bless you and we thank you. Thank you for Pastor Chris and Candy and their family and what they mean to us. And we can't believe it's been seven years already because you're doing a a, a new thing. And, Lord, I commend commend them to you to fill them afresh and anew and give them rest and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for this congregation that you would pour out your Spirit upon us, that we would experience revival. And, Lord, and, and literally can't wait to see what God's going to be doing in our midst. Because we're putting you first. And we give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.